I've never really spoken about my experience of uh, serving in the Air Force and then becoming a conscientious objector, so this is a first. Uh, so I'm very grateful uh, that uh, Joshua and Daniel made it out as well, and all of you um, who made it out uh, this weekend. Um, as, uh, as Baxter mentioned, I was not raised Catholic. I'm a convert. Um, I grew up uh, in an evangelical household as well, and part of my experience of growing up was being at church before I was born, uh, being at church every Sunday, uh, listening to my mother sing hymns uh, throughout, the, throughout the home, oftentimes waking up to her prayers at 7.30 on Saturday mornings. But one thing my mother always taught me, and my father did as well, to all, was to always look for the truth. And they really grilled that into me as a kid, a lot. Um, my father served in Vietnam. My grandfather served in World War II. I as well have uh, what you would call a military family history. I grew up in church asking a lot of questions, and I can bear witness as well that in uh, especially the Bible Belt, uh, which I'm from Arkansas, uh, especially in the Bible Belt, the word intellectual among evangelicals is almost a dirty word. Um, using any type of rationality to think about one's faith or the implications of one's faith um, is seen almost as a, some sort of sophisticated form of rebellion against God himself. Uh, so, growing up in, in, uh, in my home, I wasn't very encouraged um, to sort of think outside the box of the 16 doctrinal statements of the Assemblies of God. When I um, entered high school, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd grown up in the mid-80s. Uh, if I wasn't playing with my Transformers as a kid, I was playing G.I. Joe in the ditch. Um, that whole aspect of nationalism patriotism being intricately bound up with what it means to be Christian uh, was very, very much a part of my childhood. And as I entered high school, I for the first time began to sort of think for myself. And I really got turned on to church history. And I just started to begin studying church history um, when I was uh, basically um, given the option of entering the Air Force or not. And at the time, I too wanted to have maybe a career in the CIA because my mom had always taught, taught me to love the truth. And it just so happened that if you walk into CIA headquarters and you look in the lobby, uh, there's a verse there from the Bible, John 8:32, where Jesus talks about how the truth will make you free. Uh, and so I was very much influenced by pop culture, movies, um, you know, the latest Tom Clancy book, uh, that was sort of, you know, my, my career aspiration to sort of work in the CIA and to sort of be in the know, if you will. And I saw entrance into the Air Force as sort of a fast track to that sort of lifestyle. Um, so I entered the Air Force uh, July 7th of 1994, just after graduation. And I spent six weeks at Lackland Air Force Base. Um, in Texas, uh, which some days, uh, the days were so hot that we weren't even allowed to march. Um, those are called black flag days. Um, six weeks there, another 13 weeks at Biloxi, Mississippi at Keesler Air Force Base, 
to sort of learn, uh, learn my trade, which would be uh, computer systems operation, which is something I was pretty interested in at the time. After 13 weeks at Keesler Air Force Base, I had two weeks off and then was given my first, and thank God, only uh, duty assignment at Offutt Air Force Base, Nebraska. Uh, at Offutt Air Force Base, Nebraska, Strategic Command was headquartered. Uh, Strategic Command was created in 1992 by Bush Sr. Uh, to replace um, the traditional structure of tactical, uh, military, and uh, strategic air commands in the United States Air Force. Uh, the job of strategic command was to, in the event of a conventional war, make sure that the war plan was executed successfully. In the event of a nuclear war, it was to make sure that the war plan was executed successfully. Um, I arrived at Offutt Air Force Base having had this training in computer systems operation. <clears throat> and I remember getting a phone call one day from a friend back home. And he said, Jonathan, are you in trouble? I said, not that I know of. Why? He said, well, there are people from the Department of Defense knocking on my door asking about you. I said, wow, no, I don't think I'm in trouble. I, I came to find out later that this was all part of a process of being granted uh, top secret security clearances. I had two. I was working on my third. The reason that people who worked at STRATCOM required sec security clearances was because um, we looked at raw targeting data for warheads. Uh, people who worked on submarines, missile silos, etc., would come in and run their jobs on our computers, and we would hand them basically the raw data for the United States nuclear war plan, which were and these jobs were being run uh, constantly around the clock, 24/7. I worked in two places. Uh, one was above ground; the other was a vault, 45 feet below the ground. To make a long story short, I was on a retreat uh, with, uh, with a local church, uh, took about a week of leave, and I just remember feeling, having a sort of an ominous sense that this is sort of not the path I'm supposed to be on. And when I came to this realization, I, I didn't know anything really about the, uh, the principles of just war teaching specifically. I didn't know anything uh, about the, the Catholic Church and what the Catholic Church taught about uh, nonviolence, uh, the nonviolence in the Church Fathers. I didn't really know anything about that. Um, I just had this sense that this is what, this was something not for me. And so I began digging further into uh, early church history, into the Church Fathers. And I spent hours with people like Justin Martyr, Tertullian, Origen, Clement of Alexandria, um, Polycarp, um, the, the, the Christian thinkers from the earliest years of the church who bore witness to the lifestyle of Christians. Um, I began to read why they opposed military service, and it had everything to do with who they were as Christians. Um, and what they considered their vocation to be as Christians. To make a long story short, their reasoning convinced me. Um, and I, I realized that not only can I not reconcile nuclear war with my faith, I can't really reconcile war in general with my faith. So the Monday after the retreat, I walked in my first sergeant's office, and I said, Sergeant Mitchell, as an airman, it's my duty to tell you if I have doubts about doing that duty. And that's what I'm telling you. And he said, are you telling me you want out? 
of the Air Force? And I said, no, sir, I'm not telling you that. I'm just telling you what I have to tell you. I said, it's up to you to do with me what you want. And so he immediately sent me to the base psychologist. Um, and I went, I went to the base psychologist, and I answered all his questions. I jumped through all the hoops that I guess one has to jump through. And then I was assigned to work at the local base chapel, and where I developed really strong, uh, really good friendships with um, Orthodox, Catholic, uh, Protestant, and even Mormon chaplains. Um, I've heard a lot today um, in the time that I've been here about truth. What I began to see in the Air Force uh, was what I uh, continue to speak about and write about today. And it's simply this, that there is something inherent in Christian identity that precludes one from certainly using violence against one's enemies, but also precludes one from pledging loyalty to a system or a worldview that does not have what I would call a universalized concept of neighbor. It's not just that the U.S. and its allies are my neighbors, but it's those people who, if I had ever served in combat, would have been pointing guns at me. And I just want to say I don't, I don't feel worthy to stand up here with these other two gentlemen. I've never served in a forward area, never served in a, in a theater of combat. The work I did, though, was no less, I think, as grueling mentally um, and certainly had its difficulties, but I will never know what it means to sort of engage an enemy in combat, and I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But there's something about Christian identity that is so revolutionary and so fundamental to what it means to take up your cross and follow the Lord daily. Um, I think sometimes... Uh, a lot of people who work in sort of social justice issues lose sight of the fact that our response to our neighbor derives from our personal encounter with God. Um, Joshua mentioned Pope Benedict. Um, he's, he has said recently um, a number of things that have been sort of um, uh, very well received by myself and by others um, who teach along with me out in New Jersey. Uh, when he published his encyclical, he said that being Christian is not the result of an ethical decision or a lofty ideal, but rather it's an encounter with an event and a person that gives one's life new horizon and decisive direction. Being a conscientious objector um, is something that for me became just part of what it meant to be Christian. And I don't consider that to be a very brave act at all. For me, it was either, you know, speak your convictions out loud or don't sleep at night. Um, since leaving the Air Force, which I did in February 22nd of 1996, honorable discharge. Since leaving the Air Force, I went on to sort of study, got my BA, got my master's, and now teach theology at Seton Hall Prep. But I... But all those things, all those sort of pieces of paper, you know, that I've sort of accumulated in my life, uh, really mean nothing to me. It's 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 being at a place like this. It's speaking to people who are concerned about 
in the witness of the church. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean that Christians who enter the military face the real possibility of destroying the lives of other Christians in other parts of the world, all in service to our, to our, to our nation? And don't get me wrong, I'm thankful to be an American, but not always proud. And certainly not proud enough to be willing to risk the lives of other Christians who follow the same Lord as I do. Um, I just wanted to get up here today and speak to you from my head and from my heart. Um, and I, I know that there are others um, who want to ask questions and, and Danny needs to speak. Uh, but I hope that's, hope that's insightful. I hope that gives you a little bit of insight in sort of my own journey. I just want to say thanks again for hosting this. It means the world uh, to folks um, who are in my shoes and to those um, who have yet to sort of take a decision for conscience and subjection. Thanks.